The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Get ready to talk some baseball. Welcome to the King's Corner Talking Baseball with Jim Layritz. From spring training to the World Series and beyond to the postseason, Jim and his guests tell it like it is and have all of the bases covered. Now, here's Jim Layritz. Welcome, everybody, back from a long weekend. Of course, the Super Bowl weekend. And, of course, I am celebrating my New York Giants, a big victory. And uh, nothing better than watching that parade walk down the Canyon of Heroes. Uh, reminded me of some of the old days. It was great to see that. But with that being over, football is done. And now, less than a couple days away, some of the teams, are gonna, pitchers and catchers, going to be reporting for spring training. Now, the real sport takes over. All right? And now we have such an exciting season coming up. So many offseason moves. So many things happening, so many expectations for many, many teams. We will now see if these moves, if these GMs keep their jobs after some of the bold moves that some of these teams made. So we're going to see what happens. And, of course, that all happens over the next couple of days uh, with teams reporting, like I said, pitchers and catchers reporting next week to both Florida and Arizona. And, like I said, this is a whole clean slate for everybody. A lot of big offseason moves, a lot of different things happening. Uh, you know, a lot of questions to come up. Will the World Series Cardinals be able to repeat without Tony La Russa and Albert Pools? I just saw a little quote on the TV today or yesterday uh, where Adam Rain- Wainwright came out and said he thinks the Cardinals are going to be better than they were. Well, I hope Adam, uh, it's a pretty bold statement. I hope he doesn't have to eat his words somewhere down the line here uh, because I don't know how much better you can get than a World Series champ. Uh, at the same time, when you lose a guy like LaRusse and Pujols, there's got to be some some changes going on. But we'll see if the, we'll see if that quote holds up as the season progresses. And of course, the big money spenders, the Marlins, the Angels, the Tigers, and a few teams that went out on a limb and and started spending some money for some of their free agents. And we'll see how that takes over. So, uh, you know, spring training is what it's all about. I can remember every year in spring training coming to a new team. Uh, or coming to my old team, uh, just just the excitement that you know what we got a chance to start fresh. We got a chance to make you know we all thought the same thing, no matter how good or how bad we were, that we had an opportunity to win the World Series. So exciting things happening, and of course, an action-packed show for you today. Number one, my first guest coming up in just a minute is going to be a former friend, an old friend, not a former friend, an old friend of mine who I grew up with in Cincinnati and spent many spring trainings with the Cincinnati Reds and, of course, went on to become a great, great announcer both for football on the Fox Network and, of course, uh, now with the Cincinnati Reds is uh, Tom Brennan will be joining me in just a minute. Um, 
And like I said, Tommy and I grew up together. And him and I will rehash some of our old days. We'll talk about the Reds, the 2012 Reds coming up. And we'll also talk a little bit about Barry Larkin being inducted to the Hall of Fame. Uh, so a lot of exciting things coming up there. And uh, second half of the show, we'll take some of the emails that we can't got this week. And we'll go over all that. But uh, a lot of interesting things. Like I said, I, I feel the excitement. The, the football season's over. The Giants have become the champs. We've had the parade. It's, it's officially that. So that's it. Now the excitement with baseball begins. And I don't know. Uh, bringing in my first guest, like I mentioned, and, you know, Tommy is, of course, I said the Fox broadcaster for football. Uh, his season's over that. And now the baseball season begins. Uh, Tommy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jim. Always good to catch up with you. How are you, my friend? I'm doing doing very well. Doing great. Uh, excited. Excited about the, the upcoming season. And, uh, you know, Tommy, first thing I want to start talking about, of course, you and I grew up together. Yeah. Uh, you were always the better athlete. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm announcing you played. Yeah, that's really true. <laughs> but I tell you what, I think, I think, you know, one of the things that I've always enjoyed uh, – Listening to you, of course, you know, like I said, I grew up with you. We, you and I spent many times down in spring training with the Reds, your father, the announcer for the Reds. Um, before we get into talking about a lot about that stuff, I want to talk a little bit about you a little bit. And what's it been like over the last five years as a partner with your dad in the radio booth at WLW uh, and working for the Reds? What's it been like coming back home, you know, after being in Arizona for the time that you were? What's it like back, being back home? Well, you know, Jim, um, you know, I think, you know, everybody obviously is from somewhere. If we don't have anything else in common in this world, all of us are from somewhere. And, uh, and I think most people, uh, who grew up in certain places, they really liked where they grew up. Not everybody, uh, but I think most people. And I think no matter what you do and no matter where you go, and Lord knows I had some unbelievable opportunities when I left Cincinnati back in uh, 1989 to go broadcast the Cubs games. And then leave from there um, to start up with the Arizona Diamondbacks and be a part of that franchise for the first um, 10, 11 years of the, of the franchise, two years before we started playing, and the first nine years we did play. And, you know, you move away for, you know, 15, 20 years, and, you know, I think always in the back of my mind, you know, you always thought, well, you know, one day would I end up having the opportunity to go back to Cincinnati? And then that opportunity thankfully came along when um, the new ownership group bought the team uh, eight years ago, led by Bob Castellini. And, and it really caught me off guard and totally out of surprise when, unbeknownst to me, they had called the Diamondbacks about wanting to have a chance to talk to me about making that happen. And, um, you know, I mean, I've been grateful for it every single minute of every single day ever since. Um, I just, it's a great place for our kids to grow up. Uh, there's something I think really unique and very special about uh, growing up in the Midwestern part of the country. And, um, and look, I, there's nobody more thankful to me. I mean, I thank God every single day that I had a chance to be here. And, and I enjoy every day of it. I mean, kind of working with my dad was sort of the, the cherry on top of the Sunday. And uh, I primarily do the TV here, and he primarily does the radio, but we get a chance about 12 to 15 games a year to do it together on radio, and it's always a blast. We have a good time. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, like I said, growing up, you know, listening to your dad, Joe Nuxall back in those days, and, of course, now you two. Um, I couldn't think of anything better. I, you know, it's one of those things yeah. I always said during my career when, when, that, when, I, told, when I finally made it. Uh, I had been telling your dad – my first time into Cincinnati, I said, there's two things that I want 
before my career was over. As I wanted to hear him announce one of my home runs, and of course you announce one of my home runs. And uh, yeah, I was very, very fortunate to be able to have those both. And it's yeah. funny, Tommy. I was just playing it the other day. My kids were out in the garage going through some of the videotapes, and they brought up the uh, the Padres game during the playoffs. Yep. When you were doing the game, and I hit the home run, and you told the story uh, about you know about playing basketball and football and the whole thing. My kids like, Dad, you played another sport besides baseball. <laughs> yeah. Well, people forget like, not only were you good in those other two, you were a really good basketball player. I mean, that, that's the one thing that you know I tell people all the time. Or back in the days when you were playing, I'm like, man, I'm like this guy could play them all and play them all really well. Obviously, baseball is the one that got you where you wanted to go, but I mean, you could also do it on the basketball court too. Well, I, that was just it. I, that, that, my kids were like, Dad, you played another sport? I was like, yeah, basketball was actually the one I wanted to play, but I just wasn't big enough and tall enough to be able to go past college. So, But, uh, you know, we had some great times. Like I said, you and I grew up together. I remember some of the spring trainings that we went to with the Cincinnati yep. Reds. Um, I was just telling my kids the story the other day just about when you and I did the TV show with the Arab Parsegian World of Sports. Um, yeah. With, with with Johnny Betch and, and those guys and uh, just just those those great memories as a kid uh, that that we had growing up with the Reds and and uh, like I said for me to be able to number one go ahead and play professional baseball but number two for you as you know, as the announcer and being able to go back to Cincinnati and and be a part of that I think that's got to be a, a a great achievement for you. Well, you know, the other part of it, too, is, Jim, is, is, you know, the ownership here is really committed to trying and getting this thing back on track. I mean, when you and I were growing up, I think everybody that was a Reds fan as a kid back in the 1970s, I mean, you got so spoiled from going to the playoffs and going to the World Series, it seemed like every year, and winning World Series and back-to-back years, and I mean, it was a magical place to, to, to have your home team and to have the kind of players that, you know, obviously you had a chance to meet them when we were hanging out in spring training and the Pete Roses and the Johnny Benches and right on down the line. And and then things got really dormant here for a long, long time. And, um, you know, they won the World Series in 90, and they had real good teams under Davey Johnson there in the mid-90s. And then, boy, it got quiet. And uh, and now, you know, they, they've really gotten back to what mid-market and small-market-sized teams have to do, and that's developing your own players and I think this upcoming season is a season that a lot of people around here are really, really excited about. I think that um, that we have a chance here this year to have uh, not only a good team, I think this team has a chance to be a great team. I think it has a chance to be one of the top two or three teams in the National League. Well, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's start, let's start talking about this team coming up. And I look at this, you know, and you heard my opening statement uh, about the World Series Cardinals, of course, losing La Russa, losing Pujols, you know, with uh, the Milwaukee losing Prince Fielder and possibly Ryan Braun for at least 50 games. Uh, some of the things that are going on there. I look at this Reds club and I say, wait a minute, this is this chance Dusty Baker could finally have to finally get this team going in the right direction. Well, you know, two years ago they won the division, and you know they obviously had a had a terrific year. Uh, but if you look at what happened last year, you know some of the guys you were counting on to sort of make that next big step forward, particularly being such a young team, and you know how that goes. I mean, young players can come up and and maybe have that good first three or four months in the big leagues, and you get excited to what they might do the next year. And for some of those guys, like Jay Bruce and and. Um, and Johnny Cueto and, and some of the young pitchers in their bullpen, they made that big step. And Mike Leake made that big step. But then they had some other guys who, quite frankly, just didn't. And, you know, last year was a very disappointing season. 
But having said all that, you know, during the wintertime, they realized what their needs were. Uh, they knew about two holes. They knew about Fielder. They knew about the thing going on with Ryan Braun. Uh, they knew the Cardinals were gonna were gonna do something, and they brought in Beltron, and and they, and they knew that the Cardinals were gonna have Wainwright come back, and we're gonna be a, a good team. But when you look at what the Reds felt like they needed the most, they felt like they needed a, a number one or number one A starter to go along with Cueto, and they went out and got Latos, who I think everybody agrees has a chance to be one of the top four or five pitchers in all the game. Uh, if he can harness his temper a little bit better, because uh, his stuff is just unbelievable. Uh, they felt like they needed to to replace Francisco Cordero, and they bring in Ryan Madsen, which I think surprised everybody when they signed him. Yeah, yeah And then with Araldis yeah. Chapman going from the bullpen into the starting rotation this coming year, they obviously had a hole there as far as their left-handed setup, man. And if you look at, you know, really the numbers over the last three years, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a left-handed setup man in either league that's been better than Sean Marshall. And they brought in uh, Marshall in a trade with the Cubs. They brought in Ryan Ludwig to try and sort of get him back on track to where he's been, and, and he's going to compete for, for playing time out in left field. So if you're a Reds fan, I, I don't know how you could ask an organization uh, to do much more than they have done this season to go along with an unbelievably talented team uh, really at every position on the field. Uh, they're only, you know, uh, they only have age on them at third base, and they're hoping Roland can come back and be the guy that he's been. Uh, but everywhere else, they're very young. Uh, I think it's probably not a stretch to say their bullpen has a chance to be the best in all the baseball this year. Um, it's got a chance to be, like I said, uh, obviously there are always questions. Uh, you pray for good health. But I tell you, if everybody just kind of does what they're supposed to do, um, I think they've got a chance to be a great club this year. Well, Tommy, talk to me a little bit about I know Latos is a huge pickup for them, of course. He, and yeah. He's one of the more dominating uh, pitchers in the league. But as far as Chapman goes, to me, this is the wild card that I look at. This is a guy that came up. Everybody was so excited about how hard he threw the ball, and he was going to be this, you know, this closer, this real, you know, this guy that was going to come up and be, you know, the guy out of the bullpen. What do you think as far as being able to watch watch him last year? Is he going to be able to make this adjustment? And and is he going to be able to, to me when I look at a hard thrower like that? You know, I go back to the Clemens days and the guys that were overthrowers when they first started pitching, but slowly yep. learn how to develop to pitch. Is this kind of you see this happening with him possibly? You know, he reminds me, Jim, uh, a lot more of just because of the velocity and because he's left-handed. Uh, he reminds me a lot more of Randy Johnson. And of course, I had a chance to see Randy in my days with the Diamondbacks when he was, you know, obviously the best pitcher uh, certainly in the National League, if not the game. And, you know, a lot of people talk about, and you know this better than anybody, you know, a lot of people talk about a starting pitcher has to have three pitches. If you're throwing 105 miles an hour with your fastball, and as a starter, you know, he's not going to pitch at 105. He's probably going to pitch at anywhere between 97 and 100. But if you have a slider, you're throwing 89, 88, 90 miles an hour. You don't need a third pitch. Andy Johnson <laughs> never had a third pitch. Uh, you know, but, but like, you know, as you know better than anybody, again, when you're a batter at the plate, the key for Chapman is going to be his first pitch fastball and location on the fastball. And every great pitcher, Kurt Schilling, right on down the line, will tell you the best pitch in baseball still today is the fastball, a well-located fastball. And if Chapman can get ahead of batters, strike one, or get ahead of batters at one and two in an at-bat. It's going to be very hard for those guys to get on base. And so, to me, 
him making this transition is not so much about coming up with a third pitch. I think it has far more to do with the ability to throw strikes with his fastball. Right. Well, I think that's the biggest thing. Like you said, Randy Johnson, even though he even tipped his pitches because he was throwing so hard and because that slider was just nasty that it didn't really matter. And if he can do that in that starting rotation, uh, you know, you guys, they have a pretty good, you know, pretty good rotation as far as uh, stacking up against the rest of this league. couple question marks, Bronson Arroyo. What do you see with Bronson? That's a good question. You know, now, now Arroyo was a guy who I think to the surprise of a lot of people going into last year, he had been one of only three pitchers in all the major league baseball that had won 15 or more games for four straight years. And I mean, you're talking about being in the same company with CC Sabathia and uh, Tim Lincecum and people like that. There were only four of them. And, uh, you know, Arroyo goes about it a very different way than those guys. Um, but last year he, you know, began the year, uh, before spring training ever started, he came down with mononucleosis. And he had very little spring training to get himself physically ready to pitch in the season. He's never missed a start in, the, in his entire career, minor league, major league. And so he was very determined to make sure he wasn't going to miss a start. And I think in hindsight, he probably would have done it different. Because I don't think physically he was ready to pitch at that level and to compete at that level of uh, where he's been for such a long, long time. Uh, he got into he got into the season when he finally got his legs back under him. He had a lot of back issues. He had carpal tunnel syndrome in his hand, um, and you know these were things that he he continued to pitch uh, the whole year. He led the league, gave up nearly 50 home runs. Uh, but I think you know when you when you look at the way the rotation is really set up. And, you know, you've got Cueto 1, Latos 1A, call him 2. Um, and then after that, it all depends on sort of how everybody does. I believe that Mike Leake is going to be a huge winner in this league for a long, long time. Uh, I'm not going to say he's going to be Greg Maddox. I would never do that. But I saw <laughs> Maddox when I was with the Cubs, when he was starting to finally get it all together. Um, and Leake reminds a lot of people of Maddox. His location is, is sensational his moxie on the mound, his ability to throw strikes, change speeds. Uh, you can make an argument that, that Leak and Cueto were the two best starting pitchers in the National League from the All-Star break on last year. I think Leak's going to be a huge winner, and that's, what, to me, what he is. I think he's just a winner. I think he's one of those guys that he's going to turn out to be a 14-, 15-, 18-game winner every year of his career. But, you know, Chapman, does he become the – the dominant number one kind of guy in your rotation, I can tell you right now, if that happens, the Reds are going to the World Series. Yeah, exactly. Nobody would match up with the front three of uh, Chapman, Latos, and Cueto. That's about as good as it gets. But that's a big if. And then you've got Arroyo, uh, along with Homer Bailey, who's going to compete in there. But Arroyo, if Arroyo turns out to be, Jim, uh, the number four starter on this team, I think they like their chances of winning a lot of games a lot. No, I think so too. I think you know. To me, I, my only biggest concern with Chapman is whether or not physically, you know, we saw what yeah. happened with Phil Hughes in New York and things like that. Is he going to be, you know, that 140 innings and is he is he going to hit a wall to a point yeah. where he, you know, especially a hard thrower like that? That's my only concern with him. And you know, I, I think they're hedging their bet with him uh, with Homer Bailey. You know, now right. now Bailey's a guy who a lot of people have heard of. There's been a lot of build up been a lot of hype um, as a former number one pick high school kid out of Texas. 
Um, and he's had shoulder issues the last two years that have prevented him from pitching a full season in the major leagues. Having come back, when he has pitched, his numbers in every category have gotten better and better and better. Now, they need to be better for him to be a consistent winning pitcher um, in the major leagues. But he's only 25 years old. Uh, it seems like he's been around for 10 years. Uh, obviously, he hasn't been around that right. long, but it just seems like it. And, you know, uh, by all accounts, this was a year he went back down to Texas, got a personal trainer. Um, from everything we are, we're told, he's in the best shape he's ever been in, um, and he's ready to finally make that big step and be that guy. They're out of options on him. So, you know, a lot of people believe that probably what will happen, and, and you know, I, I don't know anybody who has a crystal ball, but, you know, a lot of people feel like uh, when the Reds break camp, that that Bailey will be the number five starter, and the Chapman to build up, um, you know, the the, the arm strength uh, from moving uh, as a reliever to a starter, uh, probably begins the year at AAA Louisville, pitching every five days, and then you see where it goes from there. I wouldn't necessarily say that's going to happen. Um, I think Chapman, he's already reported. The pitchers and catchers are not due to report until a week from tomorrow. He's already in Arizona and uh, has been working very hard down in Miami this entire offseason to get himself prepared uh, to be a starter. So, you know, it'll be, it'll be a very interesting um, spring training for him and for Bailey. Yeah, I think that's interesting what you said as far as sending him down to AAA, but at the same time, you know, you want to get as many innings at that big league level as you can. So we'll see what yeah. happens there. But All right, well, listen, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about the offense and uh, a little bit about, you know, as good as this pitching is, is the offense good enough uh, to be able to compete in that NL Central? So, Tommy, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Okay. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball, deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Jim Lawrence is a two-time World Series champion, motivational speaker, and author of Catching Heat, a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball. Most people know Jim as a man who has always beaten the odds. Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power, one can overcome anything. Visit JimLayritz.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is JimLayritz.com. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Lairitz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jimlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back, everyone. Of course, we are talking to Tom Brenneman, and we are talking about the Cincinnati Reds of 2012. Covered the pitching staff, and of course, we talked about what a great pitching staff uh, this team could possibly have in 2012. Tommy, let's talk a little bit about the offense. You mentioned some of the guys, uh, you know, Bruce and Votto and some of the big names. Tell me a little bit about, I, I look at this lineup and I look at some things that, there's some question marks. Of course, shortstop comes up as one of the biggest ones. Tell me a little bit about what you see at shortstop this year for the Reds. Well, the Reds had a young man, uh, Zach Cozart, who has been a very highly touted prospect. Uh, and they, they've only got him out of the draft two years removed uh, and just raced through uh, the organization. And last year, when the season began, uh, the prior year when the Reds won the division, Orlando Cabrera was their regular shortstop and had a really nice season. It was a big reason why they won the division in 2010. They made the decision to go with a, uh, a young player who had been a great defensive player in the minor leagues but really never hit much in Paul Yonish last year. They brought in Edgar Renteria. Those two guys shared the position, and it was just a, uh, a nightmare offensively and defensively for that matter. Um, and Cozart, meanwhile, uh, through the first two months of the season at AAA, was batting over 400. And a lot of people around here felt like they waited too long to bring him up. Well, they finally brought him up. And his first two weeks in the big leagues, uh, he hit uh, three or four home runs and was batting over 350 and playing a solid shortstop. He, you know, he's one of these new shortstops, Jim. It's a big kid. You know, he's 6'2", 200 pounds and 210 pounds and, and real athletic and and, you know, then all of a sudden in a, in a Saturday afternoon game against Atlanta, um, he tore up his elbow uh, on a play at um, uh, breaking up a double play at second base. And so he was lost for the year. So he immediately had surgery and, uh, and really could have come back and played in September. They just made the decision they weren't going to do that. But they are very excited uh, at the player they think he's going to be. I, I had, a, in fact, a, a scout for the Giants. When we were close to bringing up Cozart last year, he was still in AAA. And the scout for the Giants had been assigned to the Reds organization uh, because there was a lot of talk about the Reds and the Giants making a trade involving Ramon Hernandez, you may remember, last summer. 
And so this this guy was watching our whole organization and had for for two or three years, and um, and he told me that he had sent a report to Brian Sabian three years ago that said, hey, if there's any way we can make a deal with the Reds and get him to throw in Zach Cozart, see if he can't make that happen. He said because you know at least his opinion was this guy was going to be the Cincinnati everyday shortstop for the better part of a decade. He's a very talented kid, but it's his first full year in the major leagues. Right, right. Well, you know that. That, and like I said, that we, you know, when we talk about a team and we look at their strengths, we look at their positioning. We, you know, right up the middle is the strongest thing that you look at. And you know, with that, with that being the question, if, if he comes up and can do the job, uh, the Reds should be pretty good. You, know, you got Brandon Phillips at second base, who, you know, Brandon, you know, Phillips is Phillips. You know, he's he's going to give you know what you're going to get from him. Yeah. Um, and I, I think. Like you said, the biggest question mark is whether or not at third base, if Scott Rowland, with his age, able to go through another 162-game season healthy, and if not, who is there to replace him? Well, you know, the, the, the numbers don't lie when it comes to Rowland since he's come to the Reds from Toronto. When he's in the lineup, their winning percentage is over 630. And, and that's a remarkable winning percentage when you stop and think about it. Um, when he's not in the lineup, they're well under 500. Uh, you know, I, I tell my son, who's only six years old, but loves baseball and loves playing baseball. You know, fans get caught up and, you know, around here, who's your favorite player? Joey Votto, Jay Bruce, Brandon Phillips. And I always tell my son all the time, I said, you know what? Just watch one guy. One guy. And that's Roland. This guy, yeah. for people who have had a chance, and you know, Jim, I mean, he's just one of those guys that, you know, I mean, golly day. Tough. Uh, just so fundamentally rock solid, clutch player, gamer, great family guy, you know, the whole package. Great guy off the field, great guy in the clubhouse. Right. Uh, and they really missed his presence last year a lot. Now, you know, going way back to his days in St. Louis is when he initially injured his shoulder. He had always avoided getting the surgery. He finally had the surgery this offseason. Uh, and again, you just go by reports you get. Uh, but but he says he has never felt better in the last seven years of his career than he feels uh, like right now going into spring training. I think in a perfect world, if the Reds could get him in the starting lineup about 120 games, I think they would feel very good about their chances of being able to contend. Um, one of their most highly ranked prospects for the last couple of years is a, is a young slugger, left-handed batter, kid named Juan Francisco, who... Unfortunately for him, when Roland went down last year, Francisco got hurt at the exact same time. So we never had a chance to really see him play until the very end of the year, and he hit the longest home run in the history of Great American Ballpark. Um, so, you know, Francisco will be there to back up Roland should anything happen there. So, I, you know, I, I think, you know, knock on wood, uh, if Roland can stay healthy. And, again, that, that's a big if. It's right. a big if at his age. But, but, you know, all systems right now are go. Tell me a little bit when I look at this ball club, I look at the catching situation, and I look at these two guys that they have there. They're pretty solid behind the plate, aren't they? Well, they're both, they're both very solid behind the plate. You know, they, they've had a great tandem back there. And I mean great tandem statistically and in the clubhouse. Uh, two years ago, Ramon Hernandez and Ryan Hannigan uh, knocked in the second most runs of the catching position among all teams in the National League. Only Atlanta with Brian McCann, who's an all-star every year, drove in more runs at that position than the Reds duo did in 2010 when they won the division. Now, you know, both of them had good years last year, not as good as the year before. They made the decision that they were going to go ahead and, 
and give their the number one ranked prospect in the organization, and by all accounts, the number one ranked catching prospect in all the baseball is a kid the Reds drafted number one out of high school five years ago. He's 22 years old. His name's Devin Mezzarocco. And um, he came up last year, played the final month of the season behind the plate, final month and a half. And um, he will share, I think he'll play most of the time. I think he'll probably start five days a week. And then Ryan Hannigan will start the other one or two days a week. But they're, I mean, they're really excited about Mezzarocco. Yeah, and uh, he had a big season at AAA. What he hit 289 with 15 home runs, and I was looking at some of his stats, and they were they were pretty impressive for for someone that in that in that position. Of course, catching, of course, the hardest position to find some some good talent. As far as as far as defensively, how did he seem to you? Well, you know, they're very they really like his all around game. You know, they, you know, I've always said, Jim, for years, and it doesn't make me right, doesn't make me wrong. I, I've always said for years. One of the great barometers on a baseball organization is not always how you're able to evaluate the talent of, of players on other teams that you're thinking about bringing into your organization, whether they be through a trade or free agency, but it's the ability to evaluate your own players in your organization. Nobody should know your players better than you know them. Right. And, you know, the Reds... Um, I think most people would tell you had the top two catching prospects in all the major league baseball last year in their farm system. They had taken Mezzarocco number one, five years ago, three years ago, they had taken Yasmani Grandal number one out of Miami of Florida. And, you know, both of them were only separated by one level of minor league baseball. And so this fall, the Reds had to make a decision. Who was the guy they felt like was going to be their number one catcher, you know, good Lord willing, everybody's healthy for right. the next 8, 10, 12 years. And they made the decision it was Mesoraco. So this is one of those decisions where, you know, they better be right. Because I think Grandal, you know, he was in the Matt Latos deal. I think it's safe to say that he's going to get a chance to catch for San Diego, maybe not this year, but probably as early as next year. And so we're going to get a real good look at how both of those guys turn out you know, almost their careers running side by side because they're basically, Mesoraco is a little bit younger because he was drafted number one as a high school kid. But they're basically right. the same age. And so both of them are going to be basically about a year apart of getting a chance to play every day in the big leagues. Tommy, hey, we, we, we talk about injuries. We talk about things that happen during the season, you know, where you got to bring kids up to plug in. Let's just go with the pitching staff real quick. If someone gets hurt, is there any prospects that the, that the Reds have in the minor leagues that you think may be able to step pretty quick? Pitching-wise? Yeah, pitching-wise. Well, they have a young man that, that a lot of people feel like is, is, is almost an identical um, sort of pitcher um, to Johnny Cueto, and his last name is Corsino. He pitched last year at single A. Dominican kid, um, same body type as Cueto. Same stuff as Cueto, a very polished pitcher for a 20-year-old. Uh, you know, that's the one thing we always heard about Cueto coming up through the minor leagues. A lot of people would talk about Homer Bailey as they were both coming up together, and Bailey being the guy that threw a gazillion miles an hour. But Cueto was a guy who, you know, had an arsenal of four pitches before he ever stepped in the big leagues. And that's the same way they feel about this young man. I think he's probably going to start the year at double A. Uh, but as we know, in this day and age, you know, you start the year at double-A, and a lot of times teams are bringing guys from double-A straight to the big leagues. Right. And so I think they feel like, 
you know, really they feel like, you know, you got the five guys we talked about in the rotation. Somebody's going to be the odd man out, whether that's Chapman or Bailey. So, you know, you've kind of got one of those guys waiting first should something happen. And then, you know, you probably would go to him next if you're ready to, to, to bring him up that quick. But, you know, they've got three or four guys that, 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 that pitched in the low levels of the minor leagues last year that will go to double-A this year that they're very, very high about, including their number one pick, a California kid last year, Stevenson. Um, high school kid, but apparently for a high school kid, not only a power guy, but a, a pretty polished pitcher for a young pitcher, a strike thrower. So, you know, they gave up a lot in the, um, they gave up a lot in the Latos deal. Uh, and they gave up, you know, Brad Boxberger, kid out of USC, who was um, their, their number two or number three ranked prospect, but he was a reliever. So right. I think they feel really good about their, um, their minor league system and, and where it is right now and where they really think it's going to be about a year from now. All right, so we look at this ball club this year, pitching, defense, offense. We feel pretty confident. Tommy, I got to get your prediction. 2012 Reds, where do they wind up at the NL Central? I think they win the division. I mean, right. you know, I, I sit here and, and, and I look, and make no mistake, uh, the, the National League Central is the best division in the league. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the two teams played to go to the, in the National League Championship Series last year. Right. I think a lot of times, you know, people get wrapped up on, you know, the big market in the, in the East Coast and the big markets on the West Coast, and, and sometimes the middle part of the country, you know, is forgotten about. Well, you know, not only do I think it's the best division, I, I think it's the most fun division to watch in the National League because there are teams that genuinely do not like one another. Much has been made about, you know, the number of encounters and, and, and fights the last couple of years the Reds of Cardinals have gotten into. Uh, I think maybe some of the, the sting of that, when might, some of the edge might be taken off that a little bit this year with LaRusso not there anymore. Um, but make no mistake about it. Um, you know, they, they just don't like each other very much. And I, you know, I remember Matt Morris, all those years he pitched for the St. Louis Cardinals, and then he signed that big deal to go out uh, to the San Francisco Giants. And he, he was quoted as saying, boy, I can't wait to get out of this division because I want to get back to the Central when he was traded to the Pirates. Right. He said, I can't wait to get back in there. He says, because, man, those are teams that get after each other and compete. And I'm not suggesting the teams out west don't compete. I was in the National League West for, for 10 years, and it was great baseball. But uh, it's a fun division to watch, and, you know, the Brewers are going to be good. Um, the, the Braun thing, I think, is a very big deal. Um, if he's going to miss almost a third of the season, that is a huge hit for Milwaukee. Right. Um, the Cardinals are going to be very good. Um, you know, you, you, you bring Wainwright back to go with Carpenter and Jaime Garcia and, and even in the back end of the rotation with Loesch and Westbrook, it's still a solid group. You know, I wonder about their bullpen. I think it was very easy to forget that really for about five months last season, their bullpen was awful. Yeah. I mean, awful. They led the league in blown saves and, and given up leads seemingly every night. And then all of a sudden, magically, you know, the last four weeks of the season, and then right on through the postseason, uh, nobody could touch their bullpen. So, you know, what, what is that group going to look like once they start this year? If there is one enormous advantage, at least on paper, if there is one enormous advantage the Reds have over all the other teams in the division, it is without a doubt the bullpen. Because at least going into the year, 
the Reds have, without any debate whatsoever, they have by far the strongest bullpen among all teams in the National League Central. No, I think you're right. I think I think you're right. I think that's that's the the big key. Number one, of course, as we know, is always going to be health. But I think this could be the year. You know that the, that the Reds, like I said, you, you know, we talked about before about the tradition about how we're used to being at the uh, the upper echelon team. This this team, this group of guys could start putting that back together again. I think you guys are going to have a, a pretty good season. But listen, we got to take a quick break. I want to come back if you have time, and I want to talk about our old friend Barry Larkin. You got time for that? Oh yeah. All right, we will be right back with Tommy Brenneman. Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place? It can be done. And Darnell Autry proves it every week on Outside the Spotlight. In this program, athletes and artists come together to share their success stories, hobbies, professional projects, and more that will interest not only the sports fan, but fans of entertainment and other human interest stories. If you have something you want to ask your favorite athlete or entertainer, listen for Outside the Spotlight, Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner talking baseball with Jim Layritz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346-9144. You can also send an email to info at gemlayrits.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. And, of course, we have been talking with Tommy Brenneman about the 2012 Reds. And, of course, we feel like this could be the team that finally gets this team back to the World Series. You know, Tommy and I grew up in Cincinnati. We grew up with the Reds, the big red machine back in those days. And uh, we've been talking about how we can't wait to this. This city has that tradition, though, that those, those those big teams and those big names that they had back in the day. And you know, Tommy, one guy I want to talk about right now is uh, a good friend of ours that you and I both grew up with, playing against both basketball and baseball all through high school, uh, and of course, uh, spent his entire career with the Cincinnati Reds, a Cincinnati native, the first Cincinnati native in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Tell me a little bit about what, what it was like when you heard Barry Larkin would be introdu- in, induced into the Hall of Fame. Well, you know, I, I think everybody that, uh, that that not only you know grew up around Barry Larkin, his entire family. You know, for those that don't know, I mean, it's 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 truly a a, a testament to you know 
the mom and dad and, 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 you know, them, they had five kids in four years, yeah, uh, four and a half years. And, and none of them are twins. And, and as his mom likes to say, it's almost impossible, but it happened. <laughs> and, um, you know, his oldest brother, Mike was a team football captain at Notre Dame and his, his, um, younger brother, Byron is the all time leading scorer in the history of Xavier basketball. And, you know, it's it's an unbelievable sports family, uh, and and the sister is a doctor, and the other uh, son played minor league baseball. And were it not for a heart condition, there's no telling if he would have played major league baseball. Um, but the guy is just, you know, I mean, you know, I, I say it all the time, Jim. You know, it, I, the highest compliment that I could ever give to somebody is, you know, you'd be proud to call him your son. You know, and this guy is the whole package. I mean, you know, we all know he's an unbelievable baseball player, uh, was a great student at the University of Michigan. Uh, the way he's carried himself off the field all these years and still being actively involved uh, from the television side in the game today. And, and boy, as a player, he was just an, an unbelievable player. I mean, anybody that ever watched him play, uh, there wasn't anything he couldn't do exceptionally well. Forget there wasn't anything he couldn't do. Um, one of my most vivid memories when I was doing the Cubs game, and it's almost impossible for this to happen in a game statistically, but it happened. Because uh, Bob Brenly and I remind each other of this frequently when Barry Larkin's name come up. Um, we were announcers for the time at the Cubs, and the Reds had come into Wrigley Field. And four straight at-bats in a game. Larkin came up with a runner at second base and nobody out. And all four times, he bounced out to the right side. And right. all four times, got the runner to third. And all four times, that runner scored a run. And that's all you need to know about Larkin. Yep. He was the best player on the team. And yet, every time he turned around, whatever he had to do to beat you on any night, didn't matter whether it was opening day, didn't matter whether it was middle of July, didn't matter if they were 20 games out in August or whether it was a postseason. And when you look at his postseason numbers, and, and even when they got swept in 95 against Atlanta and the LCS, I mean, he was a guy that was always, always getting hits and doing what you had to do to try and win a game. Yeah, no, he was a guy, like I said, I, I grew up playing with. He was my roommate for you know many summers with the mm. Midland organization. And uh, just to see him, number one, have the career that he did. Uh, and I think, it, I think it was really apropos, I think, in a way, to watch. You know, everybody doesn't realize how hard it is to play in the city that you grew up in. And I think if you watch Ken Griffey Jr. and how difficult some of his transitions were, you really have a different appreciation for how – Barry handled, number one, not just what went on on the field, but off the field, all of the things that he did in Cincinnati and to be a part of you know, that, that whole city and that community. And, you know, the, the exciting thing is, I think, for a lot of people here now is, is that he has really made it uh, priority number one um, to really share this induction with the people in Cincinnati. Um, he's working right now on a number of projects with the team um, to make sure that fans are able to really celebrate this with him and his family. He's going to wow. be around here a lot this summer um, and, and do a lot of things where he can really get around the fans. You know, not just walk out on the field and wave to everybody and have a big Barry Larkin night. And, and, I, and, I, and I think they're probably going to retire his jersey and all that kind of thing, but 
you know, he wants to do a number of different events that give fans a chance just to shake his hand and say hello and say congratulations because, you know, I, you know, you talk about being the first native Cincinnatian to go into the Hall of Fame, and, you know, it's really hard to believe when you think about, you know, as of three years ago, uh, only the Tampa-St. Petersburg area had produced per capita more Major League Baseball players than a cold Midwestern city like Cincinnati. And you think about some of the players that have come out of here. You know, I mean, I, you know, you're talking about Dave Parker and you're talking about Pete Rose and, you know, you're talking about David Justice and obviously, you know, I'm on and on and on and on. Obviously, Jim Laritz is on that list. I mean, there, there have been some great players, Jimmy Wynn, that have come out of this city. Um, and so, you know, for Barry to be, the first guy inducted into the Hall of Fame who was born and raised here. And we all know Pete Rose would have been there before were it not for, you know, the situation that he's been in. Right. But it's very exciting for the entire city, not just the Reds. Yeah, no, I think so. I think, and like you said, this is, it, it's kind of, to me, it's, it, you mentioned Pete Rose, and, and it's a shame that he's not there. But in a way, this is this is the first person that, if you're if you're from Cincinnati, you know, this is the kind of guy that you want going in the Hall of Fame to represent that first native going in. And uh, I can't think of anybody better. Uh, and it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm going to be there. I know. I, I've been trying to get a hold of Lark and say, listen, I'm going to be there anyhow because uh, I'm definitely not going to miss this uh, as a kid growing up with him and playing with him to see him achieve you know, that ultimate that goal that we all had back in those days. Uh, but it will be a great ride. Let me ask you a real quick question. I got to know, uh, how's Dad doing? Dad doing all right? Oh, he's doing great. I just saw him a little while ago. He's coming over this afternoon. You know, as you remember, before you turned into the big city New York guy and now the, you know, the <laughs> Southern California guy, you know, us, um, us sort of uh, old-fashioned, you know, Midwestern guys, uh, one of the biggest nights of the year in our little neighborhood is tonight because it is the father-daughter square dance down at nice. the um, local, yeah, a lot of local school. So I have an eight-year-old daughter, and uh, so granddad's going to come over tonight. We're going to have about um, ten or twelve couples from our couples from our neighborhood, couples being uh, dads and daughters, to right. have a little dinner and uh, and get ready for the big dance. So he's coming over, so I'll see him in a little while, and I'll make sure to tell him you said hello. Yeah, make sure you give him my best. And, uh, hey, listen, you know what? I, I lived the dream of playing baseball. I lived all those fun days. I had a lot of good – to do, a, to do a, a, a game with you, you as the play-by-play and me as the color, that's, that's my next goal, Tommy. That's going to be my next well, we're, goal. We're going we're gonna to make it happen. We will make it happen. <laughs> I promise. We'll make that happen one of these days. Well, listen, I appreciate you giving me all your time today. It was a great to catch up. Uh, I definitely want to get a hold of you after this show today and talk a little bit more and catch up and see how the families are doing. But you know what? An exciting year coming up in 2012 for you and the Reds. I want to wish you the best of luck. And uh, like I said, I appreciate you giving us the time. Jimmy, my pleasure. Nice talking to you, buddy. Take care, and uh, God bless you and you and your family, and uh, we'll talk real, real soon. All right, Tommy. Have a good one. Uh, see you. That was Tommy Brenneman, ladies and gentlemen, of course. Like I said, this, this is a guy that uh, you know, I grew up with, was playing ball with, and uh, you know, he, he decided that he was going to, instead of pursuing it on the athletic level, he was going to start talking about it. And I can't think of anybody better in the game in both. And I'm, I'm talking about football, too. We're listening to football for Fox. Uh, anybody better in the game than, than Tommy? And uh, I had the ultimate thrill of... Uh, as somebody that you know, a buddy that you grow up with, and somebody that you you 
you've always uh, had a close relationship. Got to call a couple of my home runs during the playoffs, and what a great thrill. But, uh, you know, talking about the Cincinnati Reds, talking about the old traditions, talking about, you know, him and I grew up with the big red machine. Uh, we're hoping that sooner or later that this team can get back to that, that winning tradition that we've had. And at 2012 looks like a pretty good season for the Cincinnati Reds. So great time with Tommy and, uh, you know, just so many things happening. It's getting exciting, like I mentioned in the opening. Unfortunately, once again, we didn't have time to get to the emails. Uh, but we are less than a week away, less than a week away from everybody reporting to camp. Teams uh, with, with the expectations that they had. You know, we heard about the Reds, and you know, they didn't make any really big moves. But what about some of these teams that did make these big moves? Uh, I was just in Florida last week and got a chance to sit down with Dave Sampson of the Florida Marlins. And uh, I was actually at one of his kids' Little League games uh, that he plays with a buddy of mine. And I sat down with Dave Sampson, and I talked a little bit about, you know, the Marlins and the outlook. And uh, I'm hoping to be able to have him next week on the show and talk a little bit about the excitement they have and so many different things going on. And I said to him, you know, what about, all this money you guys are spending, you know, where, where'd it come from? And he said, it's what happens when you get a new stadium and, and you have, you know, you get the benefits of all of the things that go along with the stadium that they did not have in my, in, in Florida or in, in uh, when, when they were with the dolphins in, in their stadium. And of course out here, I can't tell you how much I read about the excitement that the angels have coming into the season. Uh, with Albert Pujols and C.J. Wilson and some of the things that are going on there. And, you know, some of the question marks that will be answered pretty quick in their spring training is whether or not Mark Trumbo can make that switch to third base after coming off an injury, whether he'll have time to get ready. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, too, about the Tigers. You know, the Tigers went out and spent some money. But what will the impact of Victor Martinez be, be getting hurt? Will Prince Fielder be able to supplant you know, uh, uh, and make up for the loss that Victor Martinez has. And, you know, what, what holes will that create with him being gone? Um, you know, just a lot of great questions coming up. And uh, I can't think of anything better. This is, this is the time of year. This is when we want to start predicting. This is when, uh, like I said, mentioned before, this is when all those GMs that made those moves, uh, they're – they get to see that team get there in spring training and start to develop and, and start the process. And, uh, you know, pitchers and catchers report. And I'm telling you, as a catcher, we used to hate reporting so early. Uh, it, it, we always felt that spring training was two or three weeks too long. But, of course, the pitchers have to have that extra time to get their arms in shape and get ready. So, um, you know, it, it, it starts. We are less than a few days away. Um, I will be coming to you. I'm, I'm going to be making a trip in March to the spring training sites out in Arizona. Of course, there's 14 teams in Arizona, uh, and we will be having some great interviews with some of the players and some of the, the people that will be watching all season in this 2012. So once again, a great show. Tommy Brenneman, thank you for joining me. Thank you for giving us all your time. And of course, we will see you next week. Friday, 9 to 10, on the King's Corner. See you then. We're safe for another week. Thanks for tuning in to the King's Corner, talking baseball with your host, Jim Layritz.
We can't wait to have you come back next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great weekend. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com.